From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be, right here, right now. Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here today with Kevin Wilson, and we're going to be talking about cleansing thoughts and feelings. Now, everybody has their inner monkey, their inner chatterbox, that voice inside their head that really is pretty much negative all the time. And if you if you made that voice inside your head an embodied person, you'd be like, you're a monster. You're the worst roommate ever get out of my house, but yet we have it in our head. And it's the voice in your head that when you go on a date says it's two o'clock, he hasn't called you back yet. He doesn't like you. Or the voice that says it's two o'clock. He called you back. He's desperate. Like you can't win. You know, that voice inside your head is sounds reasonable and it sounds logical until you actually start to listen to it, jot it down, and you'll realize how fickle it is. And it it tends to always work in your worst interest because of all the interviews I've done, and I've done, you know, thousands of them over the past 12 years on four different shows every week, no one has ever said to me, oh, my inner voice is so supportive. It tells me I look great in the morning. It tells me to go out and have a good day. Our inner voice doesn't do that. Our inner voice is really critical, harsh, unyielding. And until you acknowledge it and deal with it, it just stays there like a little devil on your shoulder, causing you to second guess everything you're doing. Kevin, do you agree? Oh, 100%. I mean, I've um, I'm the, I've been the, the king of the king of negative thoughts for so many years and, uh, you know, uh, went down the path of, um, you know, therapists and medications and binge eating and not eating at all and exercising too much and not exercising at all. So it's like going from one extreme to another to kind of, uh, um, sort of squelch those, those voices that are in your head. So it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you start to believe when other people start to talk negative about you, you start to believe it. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's what our human nature is. And it's, it's one of those situations that, uh, you know, once I, once I really took a breath, stopped, looked at myself, um, and I sat down and I just made a list, you know, made a list of all the, the things that I've done today, the things that I did yesterday, um, the things I'd like to do tomorrow. Um, to make a positive impact on my own life, to make a positive impact on someone else's life. And over time, um, I'm not saying it's a short amount of time, uh, but it does it does allow yourself to be much more um, supportive of what your situation is versus um, getting caught in that um, in that valley like where someone's where you have to reach down to pick somebody out of that valley 
I was, um, I was a Stephen minister for seven years with one person who I visited uh, each week. And so I'd go to, I'd go with, to his home. He was homebound. He was uh, a paraplegic. He was injured at 18 years old. And he had been basically laying in a bed for, for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would go visit him and I visited him every week for seven years until he died. Um, but for me, that was a very eye-opening experience for myself that, um, you know, you can sit with somebody that doesn't want to talk to you or that doesn't know how to communicate to you um, and really kind of dig deep within yourself and really kind of try to find your own um, inner thoughts and inner peace to, to you know, that, that can be positive. Look for the positive in the situation. Um, I had a conversation with a client yesterday. Um, this is very appropriate for this conversation, Sandra, so I'm going to say this. So. Um, a lady is 70 years old, um, sat down. She comes to me uh, for counsel about she wants to move. And can I move financially? Can I do this? And I said, well, I know how much you care about your money. You don't want to spend your money. I said, uh, but I think this would give you a better quality of life um, and that you always, uh, you know, worry about things that you can't control. And so I just kind of impressed her that, you know, there's nothing that you can say um, to change the situation. She's like, well, I don't, I don't sleep tonight. Uh, I didn't sleep last night because I was coming to see you today. I said, well, why, why would you say that? Why would you be nervous about coming to see me? I'm here to support you. I'm here to give you encouragement. I'm here to, you know, be a, a sounding board for you, you know, and again, free of charge. It, I didn't take any compensation for any of the time that I spent with this lady. I just did this because she asked me to. And my point is, is um, I just pointed out the very simple analogy of the glasses half empty or the glasses half full. You can look at it two different ways at the same glass with the same amount of water in it. And it's very, it's, it is a very simple analogy, but it really is true that you can look at every situation as a, as an experience, you know, you can have something terrible happen to you and look at it as well, something, I will learn something from this situation, or you can say that this is, a, uh, a disastrous thing that can happen to me and it's and I'm just going to spend the next two weeks or months just stewing about it and, and making it and obsessing about it and um, instead of examining the situation that you're in learn from it and give yourself a break that that you're a student of learning and um, and that this allows you to be able to take those negative thoughts out of your head um, and that they're not yours, but they're just part of the orchestration of whatever situation that you're in for you to learn something positive about. That's what it really, I that's how a lot I view that it. Stuff, I think a lot of that stuff is planted much deeper. I think it, you know, it starts with our parenting, you know, that we received. I think it's, it culminates with our education. And just like any computer program, I think that we need to rewrite it in our heads. I know I needed to do that for me. One of the things I did, Kevin, was I sat down and spent some time, you know, months actually, just a few minutes a day writing down all the negative things that went through my head. Because I don't think we ever, you know, we listen, we hear it, we have lots of things. So I started keeping a journal of just the, the awful things I said to myself or the things that I would, how I would interpret a phone call or a text or whatever. And I realized that 
I had this filter going on, like a filter on a computer, you know, like a screen that really screened out anything positive, emphasized the negative. And I realized a lot of this stuff was ingrained in me very early. And, you know, as, as you know, one of my favorite things to talk about is extreme ownership over yourself, over your feelings, over your thoughts, is if you record your thoughts, you can then change your thoughts. Because just like rewriting, and I did it in a really simple way, Kevin, is the way I learned to spell. I wrote out the opposite 25 times a day for a week, sometimes 30 days until Mm -hmm. those thoughts were re like I had new neural pathways. I had new thought patterns. So instead of walking into a a gym to teach a fitness class and going, Oh my gosh, I'm twice your age. Here comes grandma to teach the class. (laughs) All of a sudden it's like, Hey, I'm fit and healthy and twice your age. And I'm going to kick your ass. Like, yeah, these are things, but we have to examine our own thoughts because we can't outrun them, we can't outgive them, we can't outmaneuver them, but we can rewrite them. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I think happens when you sit with your own thoughts. I mean, what do oh, you absolutely. tell yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's, and in, in, again, we're our own worst critics. So it's like, we spend a lot of time kind of thinking in terms of, of examining. And I think social media has been a, a very bad example uh, for me in particular. I, I just don't, um, there are some very good parts about it for sure, but, um, you know, what someone says to somebody else and hurt feelings occur right away, let's say, just as an example, um, instead of that person just, you know, getting in your car and going over to that person's house and apologizing for something that you said to them instead of lashing out on, on, on their texts or social media, so to speak. Um, and, and I think that's... Um, you know, part of, part of, part of what people should be taking a look at is, is, um, is again, trying to, trying to have a better pathway to communication for yourself as well. Um, like you said, around 25 times creates new neural path, uh, centers, which is exactly correct. I mean, the more that you repeat uh, a positive behavior, the more positive that behavior will become and it will just become part of you. Right. Um, I mean, you memorize, you know, you look at, at playing sports and, um, you know, the coach tells you, you know, to get in, you know, get in and win, you know, go ahead and win, go ahead and win. You're going to win. You're going to win. You're going to win. And I remember my kids when they were small, they had this one baseball coach that I said, you do that again. I'm going to film you, put you on Facebook, and we're going to just publicly shame you. Because he would say to some of the kids that weren't as good as the other ones, and granted, one of my kids was that kid, um, just don't strike out. I hope you don't strike out. You know, and it's like, so what are you programming that kid? You programming that kid to strike out? Or are you programming that kid to hit a home run? Like, get up there, buddy, hit a home run. I mean, very prosaic things. Do we program our kids to try to hit a home run or strike out? But when we look at ourselves, what do we tell ourselves when we try something new? Maybe a, a, a new relationship, a new career at 40, a second marriage, mm-hmm. second, you know, sure. education. You know, many of us go back to school at midnight yeah. and decide we want to do something different. Right. What do we tell ourselves when we try something new? Are you going to fail? You know, are you going to be yeah. embarrassed? Are you going to? Well, you, could, you, you can look at it two different ways. I mean, 
we've all had experiences where we where we didn't get it right the first time. Sure. I mean, um, and uh, and from from my own experience, uh, you know, that's kind of what's I've had some very uh, challenging work situations that I never thought would ever uh, come across. But I, I've I've really kind of looked at those as um, as learning experiences um, for myself to not only protect myself and have those boundaries, but at the same time to to have better relationships with those people <laughs> and, and and to know what I what I what we can talk about and what we should what I shouldn't be talking about to those people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and and um, you know, not only to again, it's about being in in most situations people are have some kind of uh vocation or profession so you could you know look in terms of um having a, a situation that uh that was hostile well what did you learn from it and what are you not going to do anymore and you know to so that you don't get yourself in trouble and you can continue to work in that environment uh that you that you enjoy your job in that environment for example um you know, the, that's, that was part of my experience, um, is, is learning, you know, and being open to what those, even though it was, um, a challenge, but it was a, a positive challenge for me to be able to see, um, what's important with regards to, um, the, uh, to, to grow, you know, there's growth there when you, when you wind up examining yourself in a situation where you're, where someone is saying, well, you said this and this is the reaction of that person. Well, you could take it two different ways. You could take it as a personal attack on yourself and feel sorry for yourself and get angry. That entire situation from my own experience blew up in my face even further. Even though I was wronged, it wasn't appropriate for me to share those things. Um, it was important for me to, to keep my mouth shut. And to, and at the same time, uh, to learn, I should say, to learn from that experience that it's important for me to realize that this is how things can happen and that learn from that experience. Well, I that's think. what I think. Like, you know, there is no failure. There's either success or grow, you know. I like that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, but you have to also look at going, maybe I've outgrown this ecosystem or I've outgrown this environment because you know, when you look at stuff as right or wrong, I don't like the word right or wrong. I like different outcomes. You know, I wish something would have had a different outcome because you could do 99 different things in that scenario. And maybe in one person's mind, there's only one right answer and mm -hmm. 99 times you're wrong. Well, does it mean you're wrong or was it just an outcome you didn't expect or an outcome you didn't want? Because I think when we get to the pejorative languaging of, you know, wrong, you should have kept your mouth shut. Yeah, I mean, there's times we should all keep our mouth shut. I get that. But, yeah. but to say that your behavior was wrong because of someone else's set of rules, I don't think is fair. And I think the languaging that we use with ourselves has to be different to say, you know what, because I don't fail. I either win or I learn. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to look at it. I mean, and I, I think I've, um, I've learned that as well, you know, that I, that I am better than I'm better each day. Um, and that, or I'm, I'm either incredibly successful or I'm learning something new. Well, in right. some situations are a no win, 
You know, if you've ever been a whistleblower, you know, I was a whistleblower at CVS with some really, really um, not great stuff going on within my value system, within my economic system and with our, you know, federal laws. Um, But realistically, my decisions had a negative outcome for my employment there long term. Because even sure. though they were great and I saved them a lot of money, in the long term, the people that I worked for were like, wow, we don't trust her because she didn't keep her mouth shut. And mm-hmm. she told the authorities and she told people what was going on. And we don't want her because she can't be trusted. Now, right. I still look back at that scenario and go, in a value situation where everyone shares the same values, what I did was right. But I'm not wrong because what I chose to do was my value system and it wasn't in like, it wasn't congruent with your value system. And I think this is where, you know, as we get older and as we look at scenarios of right and wrong, it's to say a different outcome. You Mm -hmm. know, when I went into the situation and blew a whistle on the theft that I was seeing in the second set of books I found on the computer, and I knew that these specific employees kept a second set of printouts in the trunk of their car. Why? Because I followed them. (laughs) I watched them. You know, so did that make me untrustworthy in a department, or did that make me the best person for the job? Now, if I were the head of that department, I would love me. But... I wasn't the head of that department. And so my choices were not wrong. They might have been deemed wrong by the powers that be. But at the end of the day, the only person I have to satisfy is myself. And that, I think, is a really good place to be when you are the lone voice in a sea of different value systems and structures that aren't in alignment with you. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's important because it's one of those situations, you know, I, I'd never been in, you had been in corporate America for quite a long time and a lot of different uh, careers. And for myself, I worked by myself for many, many, for 25 years. So this is relatively new for me the last five years working in an environment of other people. So it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it, it, again, um, it's, it's about learning to work in an environment like that and be successful and as well as um, trying to well, take I'm going to, I'm going to play the devil's advocate over here because I am a person that doesn't keep their mouth shut. I am a radio host, you know, you? I'm the really? first one to say that every time <laughs> someone has told me to shut up and do this or keep my mouth shut and do this, keep your mouth shut so you can keep your job. It is almost always universally wrong. Um, you know, in a, in a larger framework. Um, sure. But the question is then, the question becomes your feelings and thoughts about the situation. Now, if you knew you were going to be chastised, fired, or whatever the consequences had for you for speaking out, Mm -hmm. if you knew the outcome would be what it was, would would you be able to be happy with yourself if you kept your mouth shut? Like no. give it the same situation. Would you do the same? Like for me, I would do the same thing all over. Go ahead and no, fire I would me. do the same thing as well because you know? I live my life by a set of principles of integrity. And I've been, I've been in far worse situations than any of these people could ever imagine. 
And, um, and it's one of those situations from my perspective that um, when there's, when people are in trouble, they call me and that's who I am. I am like the cleaner. So we all have that deep inside of ourselves to, to really, you know, to really be helpful to people when things are really dire. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm not going to ever let that go for myself. I always want to be that person. Uh, I want to, when it's, when it's lightning and thundering outside and somebody's, you know, car has a tree on top of it, I want to go out there and help push that tree off. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's, I'm getting rained on or I'm going to get hit by lightning. It doesn't matter to me. It's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And, and, but that's just me. It's my character. And, but I, again, it's about living by a set of principles and positive thinking for myself that uh, each day that um, um, I'm not going to let um, a situation that happened to me hold me back from growing um, from that experience. I think that's very important to me. Right. And just because it had a negative outcome doesn't mean you need to carry a whole bucket of stupid forward from it. I mean, exactly. That's what we do. You know, we look at something and go, wow, I did something. It was in my value system and structure and I didn't get the outcome that I hoped for. Right. Doesn't mean because because it's about expectations though too, Sandra, everyone has expectations. And when you release your, in your life, expectations from relationships, expectations from work, uh, expectations from results of things that you've worked hard at. Um, you get three, four, five times more back than you ever could imagine. Yeah, um, but I think that's, that's really hard for most of us. You know, we all have an expectation. You know, when I do a job, I have an expectation of getting paid. When I, you know, go to get my kids from school, I have an expectation that they're there. You know, I sure. think one of, you know, a lot of that stuff sounds good, but in the day-to-day living reality, monitoring your expectations is as important as monitoring your thoughts because your internal thoughts are often what drive those expectations. You know, if your internal thoughts are, I am not good enough, I'm not whatever, then when somebody doesn't call you back, like I have a friend who wigs out, flips out every time I don't call her back because it's offensive. It's so rude to her. And I'm like, you know, who cares? You know, that's your problem, not mine. And I'm not going to run around because you have an inferiority complex. And if I don't call you back, you take it so personally that you think I hate you. I'm a single mom with two kids in a company run. What are you smoking when you think I can call you at 11 o'clock in the morning and have an hour chit chat, you know? So I think our hangups and our beliefs and our our feelings about things do pave the way for expectations that get in the way of successful outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, I think it's um, you're, you're further down the road than I am on that. Let's just say that. Um, but I'm, I feel like, I feel like for myself that uh, a lot of the things that have held me back in, in my um in my work particularly, and also in my relationships with people, I really tried to look at it as um, the glasses, the glasses half full. I really have. I mean, continue to try to focus on that. Um, and again, um, I think a lot of the disappointments that I've had in my life is about having, expecting people to, um, to do something because I did something for them. Like I'm expecting a result based upon what I do for them. 
sure. um, which is not, it's not realistic. Um, well, no, what it is, is it's setting up, it's setting yourself up for failure. Right. You know, because when exactly. you, when you, you know, it's like, you, but you have to also be realistic. You know, like when I build websites for people, I do the best that I know how. And sometimes I hit a home run. Sometimes, you know, I create a goat that they're like, wow, you know, did you even work on this? I mean, the expectation is that the people will like what I do, but that's not realistic. And I think that's where the examination comes from. I think that at that point I have to examine what am I, what am I seeking here? Am I doing a job or am I asking to be validated as a person? Am I, paid to create a website or am I doing something so somebody will like me, be proud of me? You know, when you get into your internal motivations and you realize I'm not going to be driven by people wanting people to like me. I'm not going to be driven by um, people praising me because I think those are things like to me, they're false gods, first of all. And you know, right. they, you know, the, the Bible's pretty clear or the 10 commandments, whatever it is, are pretty clear about thou shall have no false gods before me. And mm -hmm. when you look at your internal motivation, you know, are you going to lift that, that um, tree off the car in the rainstorm because you want everybody to think of you as a hero and no. that all of a sudden you're good enough and you matter, or are you going to lift off that tree because that's who you are and whether somebody's there or not, you're still going to do it. Like having those conversations with yourself of going, why am I doing the things I'm doing? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I have a, a client that is in hospice right now, and I went over to her house and, um, for some, some things I needed to do to help her uh, last week. And, uh, um, and she baked me a cake. Even though she's you know, on her deathbed, she baked me a cake. And I thought about that, and it's like... Um, it was just one of those moments in time for myself that I really realized that this is what I'm doing is very valid and very important to people and people do appreciate it. Um, and like you just said, trying to think in terms of, you know, what is the motivation for someone to go outside? Do I want, you know, someone to think that I'm, you know, this, like you said, a superhero or, or am I doing this because that's who I am? And right. again, that's for everyone for themselves to determine, you know, uh, their path. What's what's important to you is are are people important to you and and the well being of 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 our universe um, or are things important to you? I mean, it's, it's, again, we we live in such a materialistic world um, where we all had that part of our life when we um, in our in the past things you know other things were much more important than people. People matter. You know, people matter. Um, and I really believe that uh, it's kind of a nice pathway for myself in the future to live a much longer life and a much happier life mm -hmm. with good intentions, the best intentions each day. Well, and and, I think the pendulum, you know, like what I've seen is the pendulum kind of swings from one side to the other. You know, you have all this thing like, you know, I'm of service to everyone and now I'm of service to no one. You know, I really want all these things like, you know, I want to go live in a Quonset hut, you know, in the middle of, you know, the Colorado Rockies, you know, and there has to be some sort of, you know, and I've seen it in myself, you know, the pendulum has swung back and forth in my life and that center point, which is the, the um, balance of material desires and then also, um, you know, the, the friend and family desires. Like I know myself, I'm going to want a nice casket, you know, <laughs> it's just, 
I don't want to spend eternity in a pine box. I mean, I'm going to get cremated, but I think that there has to be a balance between, you know, people and relationships matter because yes, they do. But also, you know, some things do matter because if I, like for me, if I don't have certain creature comforts, I'm really unpleasant to be around. <laughs> I'll be honest, you know, I, I like a nice bathroom, you know, I like nice sheets. And, you know, when I have to go and do things that are not in that wheelhouse, I'm less than pleasant. And not everybody can be, you know, Mother Teresa and give up all the material goods, but it doesn't mean we have to be ruled by it. I think there has to be some balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, cause again, um, we all have night. We all would like, we all have things that, like you said, that are important to us um, and that we like. Um, but at the same time, uh, it, it, it gives, it gives some sense of pleasure sometimes too. It's nice to, nice to come home to a nice, you know, warm bed and nice white sheets and hot water. You know, I think, you know, you're a volunteer and, you know, I volunteered and and I think that's where I've learned a lot about myself. I volunteered a lot in third world countries. I've worked a lot in different, um, different ministries and, you know, you would think it would make me (laughs) a better person, but it made me really enjoy hot water, indoor plumbing, you know, a a comfortable bed. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there are certain things that, Yes, I can do those things. You know, I can sleep on a on a dirt floor on a mat. You know, I did it and I can I can do those things. And when I was younger, they were exciting and interesting to me. Not so much anymore. I'd rather write a check. Let's be honest. I, I don't need to go into, you know, I, I taught English in a field on a bucket. Very proud of my time doing that. But mm-hmm. you know, I think like everything, there is a season. Mm-hmm. And you know, at this season in my life, I want a little comfort and I don't, I don't enjoy a lot of that restriction for the sake of helping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's, we do, I do a lot of charity work as well up here and, and um, you know, it's sometimes this, the simplest things um, to help somebody that's doing a bike race and handing them a sandwich and a glass of water is uh, satisfying for us. You right, know. enough and, for uh, me. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like you don't have to, um, you know, run a sag wagon all day or, um, or like you said, sleep in a tent to, you know, get back to nature. And, um, you know, like you said, it's everybody has their – has their things that they enjoy and that they should. I mean, people work hard and, um, you know, people should be able to enjoy those things that you have. So Right. And I think the difference is, is I don't think either of us are entitled to those things. I'm willing to work for those things. I'm willing to make sacrifices to have some nice things in my life. Um, I'm not ruled by them and I'm willing to work for them. And I used to feel guilty for a lot of the things that I have now. I just enjoy them because you know, they are transient, things come and go. And, um, 
I think it's, again, we examine, you know, why do we like this? Like, you know, I, I always tell people a story about my beaver coat. I have a beautiful beaver coat I got in Canada. And, you know, living in Southern California, people are like, why do you have this beautiful, expensive fur coat? It's the cost of a car. And I tell them the story about being stuck in Montreal for five days in a, in a terrible snowstorm where all the power was out in the city. For three days, people are, you know, skating down the river and I was in my Southern California winter coat freezing to death went and bought this thing and I was in a hotel that didn't have power for three days so you know when it's 60 below and so I keep that you know that beaver coat not because it's expensive not because it's luxurious but I remember how comforted I felt how you know, necessary it was. I actually got so sick from the cold. And I think that's a very different experience. And every time I look at that coat, yes, it hangs in my closet. Yes, it's luxurious. I'll probably donate it someday. So, you know, people can get the money, you know, for a charity. But for right now, it reminds me how grateful I am that I'm warm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I would agree. And it's, uh, that's a wonderful thing to, a good analogy for, for all of us that, uh, you know, there are points in time where, you know, having air conditioning, you know, in your, in, in your situation uh, versus living in another part of the country where it's nice and cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful luxury, but it's, it's a, makes you sleep better, makes you think clearer. And, um, and at the same time, it's nice to have, it's a it's a, it's a luxury, but it's a nice thing to have as well. And so it's, I totally and get that. Right. And it's required me to have some real self-introspection to go, it's okay to enjoy these things and not feel guilty about it. You know, when you work a lot in children's charities, like I did, I felt like, like my fur coat, you know, it's like, I'm, should I give it up? Cause it could be translated into pajamas for homeless kids and toys for this. Yes. That probably would be the right thing to do, but I've come to the conclusion that it's okay for me to have some things too. Because I think you can get yeah. really, I know I got really wacky feeling guilty about my car, guilty about my house, guilty about the stuff my kids had because yeah. you're surrounded by kids with so much need. And again, like a pendulum swing, I went from thinking I had and needed nothing to kind of wanting a lot of these things. And now the pendulum is swung back in the middle where there's, you know, a balance that I can, that I can live with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's important is balance, balance in, in work, balance in home life and, and balance really in your own mind and in your heart, um, you know, gives a lot of clarity and gives you good sleep, gives you a wonderful thing to wake up in the morning to and um, just the simple little things having a nice fresh cup of coffee sure. for me is what is, <laughs> I, I really enjoy that. And so for me, making that each day and boiling the water and putting it into a French press and not getting it out of a coffee maker. And just, it's the old fashioned way they made coffee for hundreds of years and it's simple to do and cheap to do. And yet it makes the best cup of coffee you'll ever have in your life. And um, It's just one of those things for myself that I really enjoy, but it's, um, you know, I, I appreciate that though too, that I have the opportunity to sit down in the morning to enjoy that too. Um, where before I would be like, Oh, well, you know, I got to get moving. I'll drink it in the car. You right. know, if you're like, you know, hyper socially responsible, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, these beans came from whatever. I mean, there is, you know, you can, you know, when we talk about cleansing thoughts and feelings, you know, we can really do a number on ourselves when we, 
have either decision fatigue, giving fatigue, volunteering fatigue, and, you know, it can suck the life out of everything. And so I think monitoring our thoughts and feelings as we go along and, and cleansing them and going, you know, does this, does this belief serve me? Does it serve the greater good? And usually if a belief that I identify in myself goes, wow, well, that makes me feel bad about myself, or that makes me not feel motivated about my day. I really look at it and go, is it still valid today? Do I need it? Does it work for me? And if not, I work to let it go. We've got about three minutes left. What's your best piece of advice, Kevin, for anybody who's examining their own thoughts and feelings as they they go through changes? Um, I think it's important very much so to give yourself a break. We're all human beings. We all make mistakes. Um, I think the one thing that I can say for myself that was very self-consuming and very negative in my life was guilt. Um, once I let, once I examined that I wanted to live a life of, of, uh, of freedom, of happiness, um, and to live, uh, uh, to put the past, the guilty past behind me, you know, from other people putting that on me. Um, it really matters what you think about your situation and what you're doing with your life. That's, that's what's important. Um, not what anybody else is thinking. Um, I think that's, that's the best piece of advice I could give. Great. We'll be back again next week. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are. Discover your purpose and challenge yourself to be all you can be. 